Hey friends, Chloe and Michael here, the founders of Mindfully Loved and your co-hosts of the Mindfully Loved podcast. Created with a love of discussing all things healing, growth and slow living, we hope to inspire your own journey toward being a better parent, partner and person. Join us for both interview and discussion-based episodes designed to challenge those unhelpful thought patterns and inspire the positive and sustainable change you need right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mindfully Loved podcast. It is Michael here. Uh, I am here on my lonesome today to talk to you a little bit about my own particular healing journey, something I've been quite keen to share. Obviously, I've, I've spoken a little bit about my past and my own progression through my healing journey to some extent, but feeling very called to express that a little bit further and just start to draw in more of my male colleagues who I feel are still severely underrepresented in the type of work that we're doing and the type of uh, pathway and journeying that we're doing. So I want to speak a little bit about why that's so important to me uh, and in particular why it was something that uh, resonated so deeply with me, this whole healing and growth experience uh, that's very much uh, plagued my late 20s and early 30s, but definitely had some significant origins back when uh, little Michael, young Michael was uh, was just finding his way uh, as a teenager, as, uh, as a person, um, you know, stepping into that next phase of, of adulthood. Uh, and I, I suppose we'll even call it manhood. Um, I suppose I, I have always been somewhat spiritual. I, I can't account for when I was perhaps four or five or anything along those lines. But definitely as I, as I um, got towards my teenage years, I was definitely influenced by the uh, spiritual and emotional pieces of, of uh, information that was floating around me at the time. Uh, not something that particularly came through my immediate family. My uncle was, was, was quite spiritual at the time. Uh, and he probably had a greater influence on, on my sort of interest in that area. Uh, but I dare say it was actually uh, my own uh, religious background being brought up somewhat Catholic, not particularly heavily Catholic family or parents, but uh, definitely went through my own uh, usual Catholic journey, having been baptised uh, before stepping into the usual communion process. And I, I can recall quite vividly uh, through that time, going through that communion process, we had to do our <clears throat> religious schooling in the lead up to the communion. Um, it's when I can really recall the guilt really starting within me. Um, that's probably the best way for, my, for, for me to describe it is, is, is the guilt was something I wore quite heavily. So uh, I, I still have quite vivid memories of, of you know, I must have been 10, 11 at the time, I think. You know, going home at night and, and making sure my, my thinking, my thought process was very aligned with the type of things I was learning. I, I found myself becoming quite fearful of what would happen uh, if, if my thoughts strayed in another direction, if I thought, you know, say bad things about Jesus, bad things about God, you know, what, what would happen to me? And uh, I, I remember bringing a few of those to, to confession and, and um, yeah, it's just something that weighed down quite heavily over and, and help me start to explore or, or move me into the realm of starting to explore what happens after this all, you know, where do we go? What, what's, what's that whole pathway about? And 
one thing I do quite recall, which sort of preceded, I suppose, a, a very challenging period in, in my life mentally was uh, an experience off the back of that uh, a couple of years later, I think I was 13 or so, and, and still quite absorbed with this idea of what happens after you die and sitting on, on the edge of the bath in the bathroom, just sitting there contemplating, maybe and brushing my teeth, whatever it was at the time, and got got quite deep in that thought process of what happens after we pass. And uh, and and it did more or less precede this period of um, uh, yeah depression. I suppose it was it was quite significant depression and uh, and drawing back to that that guilt uh, began to weigh quite heavily on me throughout that time. That's when uh, you know, period of self harm began. I, again, not something I had any real great awareness or understanding of what it was that I was doing, but it was a form of uh, punishment that I was comfortable with. It, it was in, in my head, it was justified by the idea that, um, you know, I, I may be a mess up, but, um, you know, here I'm, 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 I'm repenting. I'm, I, I, I feel bad. So I'm going to punish myself in that particular way. You know, I, I'd, I'd never uh, blame the religion or, or, or anything along those lines uh, for, for the idea of that. It wasn't something that I formed as a result of that. Um, to be honest, I can't quite recall where that idea came from, but, but, um, you know, it was something very, very powerful for me and something I, I very much felt I was required to do uh, because I didn't see myself as good, I suppose, good in the books of, of you know, uh, religion and, and, and Catholicism and the things that I'd read and, and felt that I sort of deserved or needed a punishment. What ensued was, was an eight-year battle with depression and I suppose what, what lied underneath that and the purpose for me talking about this is, is what lied um, quite a bit underneath that, which was part of the discovery later, was this emotion or this feeling, this, this connection to spirituality and this sensitivity that resided within me, again, not feeling as though I was doing the right thing in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the public, in the eyes of my social group, in the eyes of basically everyone around me. So uh, uh, solitude and, and um, my time alone in my room was where I found that escape. Uh, it was free from judgment that judgment that obviously was very much beginning in my eyes and, and self-reflecting against other people on me. So home uh, in my room and that isolation was very much a, a safe place for me to feel, think, write, see, and do the things that I thought would make me happier. And, and you know, this outside mask versus this inside, uh, well, me, it was me, um, uh, had a really significant conflict in my day-to-day -day life and, and, and something that then caused obviously you know wearing this mask when I was out caused this significant just continual self-judgment and poor self-esteem uh, uh, again um, I, I don't want this to seem too heavy but but in the context of of this healing journey it's very much important for me to share um, that I did feel these things quite a bit before and it was something I, I very much attempted to always put to the side and and it's only been through the periods in my life that I've been able to express that wholly that I've really truly found that happiness within myself. So as I began to step out of this sort of rough patch, instead of moving to exploring how I could present myself in a different way, how I could present myself in public as myself, uh, I, I didn't feel at any point empowered enough to do that. So once again, it was about what other mask can I throw on? And uh, uh, given in social settings that sensitivity and that emotional 
uh, draw was still so prevalent within me, it did very much cause that ongoing social anxiety that I really struggled with to get out and about. So uh, as most men who are suppressing the way they are feeling generally do, I found the next best thing in that sort of late teen, early 20s phase, and that was to begin numbing it. It was, you know, the the drinking, uh, uh, very addiction-based at the time between the drinking, the smoking, uh, uh, drugs found a role in there as well. And, And, you know, again, the purpose was that I, you know, in a sense felt that I was able to move past this social anxiety, the break the walls down and, and have this sort of confidence that wasn't quite me as well as being a bit distanced from that as well. Um, something I couldn't quite do when sober because the, the judgment was still there very much um, uh, wanting to be a different type of male that I thought was more openly accepted amongst friends, but amongst the general public, I found very much the need to continue to suppress those feelings and the numbing and the alcohol helped me distance myself very much in the moment from those things that I was avoiding feeling. So uh, the, <laughs> as with most people going through that path, the very obvious side effect was, was the, uh, well, the next day. <laughs> uh, I'd fall quite deeply into a depression the next day. And if I didn't sort of get back on the horse more or less quite quickly. Um, the next few days would be a really intense period of self-judgment and critical attitude to, to what I was doing. This, this went on for quite a while. This went on for a, a good chunk of my 20s. And, and deep down, I, I think I always could understand again that something wasn't quite fitting with it. I, I still required that period of isolation because ultimately I wasn't satisfying the things I needed to do to make me happy. So I, I still, although I tried to put it to the side for a long time and, and fill my cup instead with just social outings and just constantly being out of, not only out of the house, but out of my mind, I still at times had to fall back into that situation. And if I wasn't then making the effort to write, which I was trying not to do at the time or, or publicize for myself, because again, you know, as I got older, I felt, oh, this is more and more things that men don't do and men shouldn't be doing. And, and if anyone ever knew, you know, it would just be terrifying but uh not satisfying that then uh it just meant i fell further into a depression when i wasn't engaging in 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 social situations so it went from a very difficult period of of not wanting to socialize to i need to socialize as much as much as possible to to more or less keep out of my uh keep out of what's sort of driving me on the inside or what what i'm really requiring on the inside to to grow uh as a person i guess so um there was this choice when that got too much to to move overseas. It was eight, seven years ago, now eight years ago now actually, uh, to to book a one way ticket, which just by chance coincided with with Chloe, my lovely wife, um, making the trip permanently to move down here now. Um, which there was a background there. I was waiting for her to come, but uh, just by just by poor timing, I'd booked a one way ticket and. And, uh, and decided to, you know, in a sense, go find myself. Part of that mission of going to find myself was trying to understand why I lacked confidence, where, where this confidence was, why I, I couldn't uh, just feel comfortable in my own skin. And again, in a, in a sense, delaying the inevitable, but being exposed to something by, by solo traveling that really, really, I'd say, built the foundations for this healing journey. It very much was the understanding that I had the ability all along to be confident, 
to put myself out there and to be the person I'm comfortable with being. Being amongst a different group of people really helped me find that space. But again, uh, you know, the way of introducing that to myself was very much, again, choosing to numb it. Um, helping me guide myself through that period by numbing it wasn't particularly the, the most sustainable or, or safer strategy, but there was certainly a time throughout that traveling where I realized in my own solitude, sitting at cafes by myself in, in foreign countries with foreign languages and having nothing but a phone and a book, you know, drew me back into going, well, I, I can write here. No one's going to judge me. No one knows what I'm doing. No one knows who I am and will likely never see me again. And at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, I need to explore my own ability for social interaction. So, you know, reaching out to people um, despite the language barriers was, was a really um, strong and comforting experience for me. So it was something I came back with that instantly had me, really wanting to pursue something further in this space. Sure enough, coming back to Chloe, who was very much ready, perhaps not aware, but very much ready to uh, support me through this journey and provide me with, with a, a, a level of love and understanding that I, I probably had never really experienced from a peer before. And, and that had its own challenges quite early on as well. You know, I, I very much was with a person I, I, I loved and, and for that matter, did want to impress in, in those draws that I still had attached to me, manliness, you know, be a man, very much still trying to drive things in that way. And the things I, I, I did enjoy doing that I subtly crept into the conversation. Chloe was aware of some of those, you know, such as, such as writing poetry, such as journaling, reading, basically just exploring myself emotionally, her support and, and continual persistence in asking me to do those things really began to challenge my thought process as to what it was that she was requiring in a relationship and what she was requiring from a man. So through those discussions, wonderfully, uh, very much uh, gifted again in that getting together with a, a psychologist, a hypnotherapist, you know, someone who was very capable of, of empowering and enabling and supporting someone to, to be themselves as best as possible. She was ready for that journey as well. And, and it became something very pronounced between us to, uh, continue exploring how we could grow in our relationship and how this amazing uh, connection that we already had could grow to a point where where we were on the same page, where there was no conflict, uh, you know, unrealistic expectation in saying there's no conflict. There's always going to be a difference of, of opinions, but but this level where we could at least step away from those situations and know, know that any conflict doesn't relate or change the way we feel or love each other unconditionally. So really a really powerful journey commenced for the both of us at that time. And uh, I very much felt empowered to do the things that I wanted to do and very much found myself more or less falling back into who I knew I was at home by myself. Uh, you know, one of the things I was most concerned about moving in with a partner um, was that my, my, place of respite, the place I was able to feel comfortable was going to be inhabited by not just another human, but another person that I loved and wanted to impress. So um, uh, shortly after we moved in together, it was, uh, you know, it, it was sink or swim in my mind in the end. And, and we very much swam, we very much swam and, and, uh, and wanted to continue the, the, the journey and the process that we were on, which was absolutely amazing. So um, 
that led us to uh, exploring this stuff more as a couple and, and whether it was you know, particular experiences, I, I have always felt that travel can bring out um, your true self, your inner self, uh, putting you in places of, of uncomfort, in, in, out of your comfort zone and, and having you really um, dip into that reserve of long-term, a, a long-term belief system and long-term perspective uh, that I was very much settled on. So uh, that that draws me into talking about um, how I eventually found comfort in myself before my healing journey was very much in my routines. And even early days of the healing journey, it was very much embedded in my routines. I knew if I set myself up, if I was proactive with my work, you know, the type of situation of making sure my lunches are set up the day before work, making sure my gym clothes are laid out, whatever it is, you know, just, just having that routine throughout my day and brought comfort and security to me. And I really began to think that this was the answer because I very much was able to do the things that I wanted to do, whether that be a consistent sort of exercise program, consistent work, consistent, whatever it is. It was, again, through moving in with perhaps the most adaptable woman in the world who uh, will make doing just about any situation under any circumstances that that idea began to be really challenged in my mind. And I began to see the mutual goals that we both shared, whether that be moving overseas, was, was a really big one. I've always been fascinated by the idea and would love nothing more than to have that experience and to, and to grow a business and move as a nomad around the world and, and just experience. And uh, my routine way of thinking would always be, geez, that would be the dream, you know, perhaps a, a lotto, lotto ticket or more so what was more detrimental to me was, was looking at the people that were doing it and always finding an excuse as to why they could. I, I, I bet their parents were rich. I bet they, uh, you know, ended up in the most fortunate position. That doesn't just happen to everyone. And I generally shut those things down and, and that's where my routine behavior, my need for control over my daily life really began to limit me. Uh, and again, it was through uh, living with Chloe that I began to notice that we were doing the same things. We were living in the same place. We were working in you know our own sort of similar jobs and doing all those so sorts of things. And what she saw as being really possible, I saw as being yeah, completely impossible and, and, and found judgment within the people that were trying to do those things. As I was going through this healing journey, as I started to find comfort in who I was as a person, I began to question that. And that led me to discovering one of the key limiting beliefs that I had. And it was that I didn't deserve the level of happiness that I really dreamt for. You know, very much the area I grew up in, the, the people I associate with and and, uh, you know, uh, uh, right down to my parents, there's always been a very locked in, let's get safe and secure type mentality and let's buckle down and make sure we're working hard so we can reap the benefits later. Something that really did not work well within me, something that really just did not strike me yet, finding that that comfort zone was was what sort of led me to believe, uh, you know, I, I, I could have most of the things I wanted and live a fairly safe life and get through unscathed and maybe something great will happen along the way but um, I wasn't one you know to go make that happen so discovering that as a limiting belief uh, was was basically the first step I, I created that insight I created that self-awareness and saw how my own thought patterns and beliefs really anchored me down to where I was I was happy to travel but even some of the travel you know stepping into places that 
that were less touristy or, or a little bit more difficult to navigate, found myself getting really uncomfortable and, and, and fearful in these situations, but they were experiences I wanted to be in and wanted to see. So what was drawing me to those, those places? And it, and it was this, I thrive outside of this comfort zone area and all, all my life I've, I've strived for control. And now I strive for a lack of, and, and that was part of that really significant change. So having created that self-awareness, I began to see what it was. I, I had to explore my childhood. I had to explore, uh, you know, how my parents grew up. I had to explore those things to really start to understand what had created that mentality in my mind. It wasn't to say it was right. It wasn't to say it was wrong, but it wasn't working for me. And that's something I was able to identify. So through the self-awareness, I then began to explore a little bit further about where that came from. And that helped me really, I suppose, start to accept and understand why that was something that was there in place for me. And, and it was very much a, a protection-based system I put within me um, to help me with my challenges and and it served an absolute purpose and for that I'm forever grateful for it and and to that extent I can see its merit uh, as well but I could also see how it was preventing me from stepping out of who you know a, a, a person who um, should have an enjoyable life to the person of my dreams and again that pathway that self-awareness really began to open my eyes to exploring what it is that truly makes me happy. Not the comfort stuff, not the stuff that, yeah, I, I love sitting on the couch and uh, getting some takeout and eating a bag of chips and, and watching uh, and watching some shows and, uh, as, as we all probably do to some extent, but it was limiting me. It, 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 that wasn't what truly made me happy. What truly made me happy was being myself and doing the things that I deeply enjoyed is writing it is talking, it is, it is reading, it is, it is really sort of a, a different space. And most importantly, it is traveling and being out of my comfort zone and knowing what my limits are, knowing how far I can push this thing and, and how, how I can uh, take it basically anywhere I want and achieving some things that I never really thought were possible. Through this experience, again, I, I looked at uh, friends who were starting to have children and, and you know something that had never really screamed at me I, I i think out of um uh, fear of my own discomfort or, or or lack of responsibility the idea of having children was daunting and, and something i couldn't face and as i saw more and more people my age younger uh, around me doing this and accomplishing it I, I had to start thinking well they're doing it what is it that's stopping me from doing it and once again all these other expectations and and feelings i put on it really had to form part of my healing journey because deep down, I've always had that feeling that I'd love to, to have a child of my own one day. Uh, but I, I put layer upon layer on top of it and, and created my own protection uh, around it and, and, and couldn't sort of accept that journey or that pathway. Uh, but once again, um, you know, and it helps obviously finding the person that, that you, uh, you love and you want to spend the rest of your life with. But uh, it was very much, again, through my own self-awareness and, and, and journeying through that uh, feeling of what it is that was holding me back from taking that next step. And, uh, and, and you know, here we are today, more or less deeper down into this journey, feeling ready to take that next step, but understanding how much healing and how much growth has gone into preparing me for where I am uh, uh, and where I want to be. Uh, perfection was never, ever the goal. But a, an environment of self-awareness um, that would allow us to continually recognize um, where we're limiting ourselves, where we can 
be more than what we are, where we can um, step out of this settling for fine and, and take this the extra level. And uh, and having children is, is really part of that growth journey as well. But what I'm still finding along this pathway as well is that uh, it's, it's very difficult to appeal to uh, my male companions and peers to explore what this journey means. Uh, I'm not um, at any point expecting or, or believe that everyone has gone through a similar pathway that I have, that they had a, a particularly strong emotional or, or sensitive side deep down or spiritual side deep down uh, that brings them back to wanting to explore this. But what I want to most certainly call out is the importance of doing this type of work before having children. It is far too easy for many male peers and, and friends that I know these days to step into it the way every man has always stepped into it. Generally, uh, she's got to fall pregnant, uh, hold the baby for nine months, then she can only nurse. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to work and, uh, and, and try and support the both and, and be that sort of breadwinner um, type role at home and uh, come home for dinner and hopefully that's all made and that sort of mentality. And it's not something that's generally sat well with me uh, throughout my life and, and, and always wondering how we can provide more and how we can do more in, in this society where I feel um, uh, dad issues are still as pre- prevalent as, as ever. Um, understanding what a true male role model is. I, I had one hell of a male role model in my father being a wonderfully um, domesticated and loving man uh, who I always saw contributing around the home. Um, even in itself, you know, I was still pushed along to one side because ultimately it's, it's, it's our peers that we look to for guidance and support on how we should be acting and feeling. And, and, um, and still very much the mentality around me is the, the very specific gender roles that we've become so accustomed to over the time. And, uh, and, and what I'm seeing lacking is that really strong male support figure who is really emotionally available, emotionally regulating and in touch with how they're feeling, recognizing when, uh, when not only they are limiting themselves, but they are limiting others around them by putting their perspectives and controls on the situation as well. And, and, um, and this goes for all of us. Uh, it goes for both men and women all along. Uh, but something I feel particularly called to, given um, given that I am a man at the end of the day, and it's and it's something I've sort of grappled with my ex- myself and explored. So I wanted to share my journey in the hope that it would resonate with a few extra men as well to to want to explore this a little bit further. To know that yes, we grew up fine. I gr- I grew up fine. I, I I had some challenges along the way and. I got to exactly where I needed to and, and uh, you know, uh, things had worked out generally well. Fine is not something I settle for when I think about having children in any measure. And I don't want, I don't want uh, anyone else to make that, that same mistake in thinking that fine is an acceptable way of looking at how we raise our children as well. We can really tap into this unbridled potential uh, that the future generations will hold and, and will lead us into hopefully a, a very different, a very positive and open and vulnerable future um, that we can all really, really begin to thrive off. So that's my journey. Um, that's part of my journey anyway. There's uh, 34 years in that mix now, but that's probably the most relevant stuff and and, and the part I really wanted to share. So I hope uh, 
I hope you took something from it. If you didn't, I hope you give it to someone else who takes something from it. As always, keep healing, keep growing, keep not settling for fine. And, you know, we've got you back. Please reach out. Uh, I'd love to chat. I'd love to speak to anyone who's starting that journey, looking into that journey or, or wanting to really get a kickstart on it. We're here. I'm, I'm very keen to, uh, to connect with my male colleagues as well. So get involved, guys. Get involved and, and let's be the, the, the best male role models we can be. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy.